Good morning. When you're going through a storm, what's the one name that you call upon? Thank you. Great. So we may wonder this morning, uh, why are we here? So I think I may have the answer to that. You're going to see up here on the screen questions and answers and who is my neighbor. But let's just think that you're here this morning not by change, but by God's choosing. His hand formed you and made you the person that you are. He compares you to no one else. You are one of a kind. You like nothing. At this, at his grace, now, that his grace cannot give you, he has allowed you to be here at this time in history to fulfill his special purpose for this generation. Now, you didn't come here this morning to just hear me talk. You're here because God has a divine purpose for you this morning. And I'm sure that it will be something that will come through the message that uh, God has given me, and this is, not, this is not my message. This is a message from God. And I'm thankful that the children are in here because this is the first Sunday in the month, and this is when that we have communion. Now, folks, we just, I'm thankful that we don't take this every Sunday because uh, I'm not for sure that I could go through this because this is a special time in the month that I have a chance to examine myself. And the Bible tells us that we are supposed to examine ourselves. Self-examination is critical for a healthy spiritual life. God wants us to see ourselves so that we can be spared the consequences of sinful choices. This is so important that Scripture says that we are not to participate in the Lord's Supper without first examining ourselves. The point of this self-examination is not only to make things right with God, but also to make sure that we are right with one another. And that's good for the children. And we need to set good examples to our children so that when they get older, they'll set good examples. The Lord's Supper is a remembrance of Christ's body. And we cannot celebrate it properly if we're not living in harmony with other believers. Seeing and confessing our sins promote unity with others and a healthy relationship with God. 
Now, we're not ready to take communion. I just got this. I want to bring this to your attention because this is what's going to happen. We're going to find out what God has to say when we reach our hand into that tray and take that cup out. And we are not a child of the king. We need to be careful. When you reach and take that out of that tray, while Dan is going to be singing about the cross, I want you to take and look at that and let that soak in about what he's singing. Without that cross, we're in trouble. That's what it's all about, the cross. That's why we're here. I'm going to be reading from Luke 10, 25 through 37, 38. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied, how do you read it? He answered, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Okay, let's back up just a little bit and let's do some. Uh, I'm going to give you a test. We're going to do some uh, self-examining, examination. Uh, how do you treat people who are different from you? Do you treat people good if they love you back? Or, or how do you treat people that has a different belief, different religion? Uh, how about people from a different country? How do you, how do you uh, react to those people? What kind of relationship do you have? We're going to, we'll go on in the scripture and we'll find out about that. So I want you to be honest with yourself this morning. If you don't have a pencil and a piece of paper and you don't want to write this down, I want you to put a number in your mind, and I want, to, I want you to say, I want you to take a number from one to 10 of how that you would treat somebody who is different from you. So now keep that, keep that number in your head. Now don't cheat, 
God, you didn't tear it. But God, we're going we're gonna to grade that report card, and we're going to find out. And so now the number that you've got in mind right now, you can't change this a little later on, okay? From one to ten, one's the worst, ten's the best. All right, let, let me give you an example. Uh, Miss Jill had, uh, her and her husband had just bought uh, a new home in a subdivision. And so she was standing at, uh, in the kitchen washing dishes one morning, and she sees uh, this big uh, moving van uh, pull up in front of the house uh, right next to her home. And uh, people started piling out of that van, and about uh, five or six cars pulled up. And people started coming out of that, those cars. And she was standing there, and she was thinking, huh, I wonder how many people are going to live in that house? How many families? It looks like they're from a foreign country, and it looks like they brought everyone with them. And the children started piling out of the cars. She's thinking, I'm wondering, are those children going to teach my children bad habits? Are they going to teach my children to curse? Are they going to teach my children to tell dirty jokes? And then Jack, on the other hand, uh, he was a delivery man. And he worked for a construction company. And he delivered supplies to the building site. And he had noticed that uh, every day it seemed like there was uh, different people, uh, different faces that he saw. And it looked like that three-quarters of the people that worked there were foreigners. They were from a different country. And he's thinking, well, if they're going to come over here and they're going to take our jobs, looks like they can speak English. And he says, I cannot understand why that they won't learn English. So, we got a couple that's in church one Sunday. And the youth pastor, he gets up and he needs some help. So he's calling for couples to volunteer on the weekend to help do some things in the community. So Jamie, she couldn't work on, she couldn't, there's just no, it's, it's just no way that she's going to give up her Saturday morning to help someone because uh, that's the day that she has uh, with her friend. They go shopping, uh, they play tennis, they go swimming, they do whatever they want to do. And then her husband, he can't help either because he plays golf on Saturday. And if he's not playing golf, he's fishing. 
If not, he's watching it. Football. So you see, that number that you just that you've got up here, I want you to hang on to it because we're not finished. We're gonna go farther, and then we're really gonna see how good you are. And if you're a child of God this morning, and if you failed this test, shame on you. It's not a good thing. Okay. Okay. Starting in 30. In, re in reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. When he had put the man on his own donkey, he took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra experience you may have had. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers. The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him, and Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. Thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we pray that your grace will fall fresh on us this morning, and as we walk through the scripture, I pray that you would not only give us ears to hear, but eyes to see and a mind to think how that we see how we can evaluate the, what the scripture says, how that we can apply it to our hearts. Thank you for the people that are not here, and we ask that your mercy be upon them today and keep them safe and be with Pastor Tim and his family and we know that they're having a good time and we know that uh, this will be uh, a great insight on his ministry that he has here at church when he comes back. We love him, we love his family and we pray Father that your hand of mercy will protect him while he's gone and bring him back safe. Once again, we love you, and we thank you for this time, and we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Let's go back to 25, Luke 10, 25. It says, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test him. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? 
Jesus says, what is written in the law? He replied, and how do you read it? And he answered, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm sure that we all have different opinions of how that you can love the Lord with all your heart. Probably every one of us in here could give me a different answer. But I think I have a good answer. I know it was good for me. It said to detect a health problem before they become serious, doctors recommend a routine physical examination. And we do the same for our spiritual health by asking a few questions rooted in the great commandment. Jesus referred to, now here's the question. Jesus, I mean the man told Jesus what the scripture says. And so how do I love God with all my heart because he first loved me? Now, I didn't really know, oh, I could tell you, oh, how do I love God? I come to church on Sunday. I give my money. I give my time. But listen to this. Which is stronger, my desire for earthly gain or the treasures that are mine in Christ? He deserves his peace rules our hearts. Now, do I love God with all my soul? Do I listen to God telling me who I am? Am I moving away from self-centered de desires? Am I becoming more compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient? Do I love God with all my mind? Do I focus on my relationship with his son? Or do I let my mind, my mind wander wherever it wants to go? Do my thoughts lead to problems or solutions, to unity or division, forgiveness or revenge? Do I love God with all my strength? Am I willing to be seen as weak so that God can show his strength on my behalf? Am I relying on his grace to be strong in his spirit? As we let the message of Christ, of Christ dwell among us richly with all wisdom, he will equip us to build each other up as we become spiritually fit and useful to him. Now, even though that I have uh, walked with the Lord for 42 years. And since I went to Calvary Chapel in Arizona, and then I come to Calvary Chapel here, the teaching has shown me how that I can take the scripture 
and break it down and how I can apply that to my life. And then I could have told you uh, 30 years ago, I couldn't have told you any of these things about how do I love God with all my heart. And I'm sure that you have probably got a different answer. And that's okay. I'm just giving you what Christ has given me to give to to you. Now before we read the scripture about the Good Samaritan, we're going to find out that, uh, that, that this lawyer here, he knew the law. And you would think that, that he really wouldn't ask Christ that question. But the reason why that he asked him that question was because he kind of, he wanted to make sure that, uh, that he knew what he was talking about. So uh, he, he really knew what it took to have eternal life, but he kind of wanted to put Christ on the spot. God required, God's requirement for eternal life is to love him and to love your neighbor as much as yourself. No one can love in these ways without the help which God gives through faith in Christ. Now, so the lawyer wanted to put Christ on the spot, and he said, uh, how about my, my neighbor? And, he, and so the lawyer, like I said, the lawyer understood what the law required for eternal life, but he did not understand the full significance of such love. To be valid, such love must be experienced in action. The lawyer sought to limit his neighborliness. He wanted to determine who he should help. Jesus said that he must give unselfish and unlimited assistance to anyone in need, even someone who may hurt you. I was involved in the ministry going to the prison. And I'd been going about uh, two years, and I went every Tuesday night at, uh, at the same time, at 6 o'clock. And I had uh, one of my, and I would go in, and uh, we would minister to the guys that were in prison, only the ones that wanted to let us talk to them. And I had one of the men in my Sunday school class asked me, he said, uh, Mr. Bob, he said, uh, why? Why do you go out there to that prison? He said, them guys out there are hoodlums. He said, hey, he said, they are murderers, they own dope. And I looked at him. And I told him, I said, I've got two grandsons. And I said, at any given time, they could be at the wrong place at the wrong time, and I would be coming out here to visit 
maybe a grandson, and I don't want that because I don't see any fathers coming out here to visit these, and they are somebody's grandsons. I'm not saying that they don't ever come and visit them, but they don't get much. So that's why I go, because those boys out there, they need help. They need the word. And I've had the privilege leading five of those men, young men, to the Lord, and I got to baptize them. And, that, and so the more I did that, the more excited I got about going. And I think I went about six and a half years. I'd run in in the afternoon, and Grace would be fixing me a, a grilled cheese sandwich, and I'm trying to shave and drink a cup of uh, tomato soup, and, and I'm trying to get ready, and the old devil sat right here on my shoulder and said, you don't need to go. said, you don't need to go with Satan. I said, man, I'm going anyway. So I went. So in verse 30, in reply, Jesus says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hand of robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest. Now, can you imagine a priest? Now, if you come in contact with a priest, wouldn't you think that, hey, this is a godly man? Let's go back to the temple in the Old Testament. Who did the people come to at the temple? They came to the priest. And he could go into the holies of holies. And here's a man that's got all them qualifications and can do all these things. And not only when he saw him, he didn't go by. He went on the other side of the road and went by. And he's not going to help him. And then, lo and behold, and it says, so too a Levite. A Levite, he's right under the priest. He's just not somebody. So he goes by on the other side too. But then here comes this good Samaritan. Think about that number that you got, that number that you wrote. Think about this Samaritan, when he saw him, I love what he said, what the word says. And when he saw him, he had pity on him. Now how many people are you gonna come in contact with this coming week that you gonna see that is hurting and needs help? And you just gonna go right on by. But the Samaritan, when he saw him, he had pity on him, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. Now, if I just bought a new car, and I saw a homeless guy over here on the side of the road, and I knew he'd need a ride, I'm not going to pick him up and get him in my car. Huh. 
That's what this, that's what this good Samaritan is. How come, how come we can't be good Samaritan? How many times have we, has God given us opportunity to minister to somebody, but we don't have time? We don't have the resources. Oh, I will next time. We're going to talk about that too. So the next day he took it, so he cared. When he put the man on his donkey, he took him to an inn to take care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hand of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So, an opportunity to be a good Samaritan to a neighbor. Mary, she enjoyed her midweek church group meeting when she and several friends gathered to pray, worship, and discuss questions from the previous week's sermon. This week, they were going to talk about the difference between going to church and being the church in a hurting world. She was looking forward to seeing her friends and having a lively discussion. Now, she's going to have a wonderful day. She's done got everything planned, just like we get up in the morning, and we've got our day planned, and we don't want anything to interrupt that. When we get on track, we got to go, and, and the mind I've got is narrow, and I have to stay focused, folks. I can very easily get distracted. So as Mary was picking up her car keys, the doorbell rang. I'm sorry to bother you, said Sue's neighbor. But are you free this morning? Mary was about to say that she was going out when Sue continued. Now remember, Mary is not fixing to help a good Samaritan. I mean, to help someone in need. She's not going to... Her day wasn't planned to be a good Samaritan. The lady says, I have to take my car to the repair shop. Normally, I would walk or cycle home. But I've hurt my back, and I can't do either at the moment. Mary hesitated for a heartbeat, and then smiled. Of course, she said. Mary knew her neighbor only by sight, but as she drove her home, she learned about Sue's husband battling with dementia and the utter exhaustion that giving a caregiver, uh, being a caregiver can bring with it. She listened and promised to pray. She offered to help in any way she could. Mary didn't go to church that morning, 
to talk about sharing her faith. Instead, she showed a little bit of Jesus' love to a neighbor who was in a difficult situation. Neighbor. The lawyer understood the law again. I'll, I'll tell this again. For eternal life. But he did not understand such love. He didn't understand if that occasion would have happened with Mary. He didn't understand what that, how that love was. And we go back to that priest and that Levi. I thought they, I thought they were men that knew all about love. They probably did, but they just didn't want to get involved. And that's like us. Sometimes we don't want to get involved because if we get involved, then that's going to that's gonna mess up our day or it's going to change our direction or it's going to change what we're going to do. And we don't like that. Jesus used God's imperatives on the basics of his teaching. To gain eternal life through the law required complete, unselfish devotion to God's and others. Despite the lawyer's initial claim, he and all others fell short. People cannot justify themselves. Faith in Christ's atoning work is necessary. Salvation in Christ sharpens our obligations to a devoted life to God and neighbor rather to self and ego boasting lives. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 40, Jesus says, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. When the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry? and fed you, or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king said, I tell you the truth, whatsoever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. How about this beggar that's out here standing at the intersection and he's selling papers or he's got a sign that says, I'm hungry. I need some clothes. Oh, man, why don't he go get him a job? I just saw a sign in a window back here where they harm people. Man, I ain't got the money. I can't. I can't go buy him something. I can't give him something. What did Jesus just, just get through saying? 
when you do it to them, and he's your brother, you do it to me. Now, I'm not saying that every person that you see standing on the corner that you need to give money to. I'm not saying that. But when you see that person, just say, Lord, reveal to me, is this, is he really in need? Does he really need it? Should I give or should I not give? And I promise you, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. As a matter of fact, we, I wasn't going to mention this, but I am. Uh, we was coming from Walmart the uh, other day, and here this, this guy is standing at the, where the street where you come out of the parking lot on the street. He's got a sign. He's hungry, and he's got children, and he needs diapers. And Grace looks at me and says, should I give him some money? I said, no, don't give him no money. No. And then it dawned on me. Hey, what I should have done was ask Grace, did that come from my heart? If it did, then I need to turn around and I need to go back. And she needs to do what God laid on her heart. So, when we see somebody in need, let's just don't go by and leave them like they are. Let's, yeah, go on with some diapers. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's just something to think about. We've got the word here, and that tells us exactly what we're supposed to do. Now, whether we do it or not, that's up to y'all. And I'm not... And I'm not for sure that I'm, that I'm always faithful of helping when I can, when I don't. And the Holy Spirit tell you right quick if you were right or if you were wrong. Now, let's grade that number that you had up here or you put on that piece of paper. If you put a number between one and three, you didn't give a hoot about them. Just go on by. Just forget them. You don't mean nothing to me. Now, if you put a number from four to seven, you're doing pretty good. You ought to feel kind of good about yourself. But that number between four and seven, do you put it to use? And then if it was from eight to ten, oh man, praise God, you're in good shape. You examined yourself and you run on track. Listen to this cartoon about... Uh, Peppermint Patty. Peppermint Patty, she goes to school one morning. And so, uh, while she's in school, uh, she thought about doing something. Mama, I never got around to it. Could you use a vase full of good intentions? 
This is what Peppermint Patty is saying to her mother before she left to go to school. But Peppermint Patty, she didn't realize that her little friend had brought the teacher a vase with a bouquet of flowers in it. And, Pep and Peppermint Patty, she didn't want to be outdone. So she asked the teacher right quick. She said, teacher, she said, could you use a vase full of good intentions? How many vases is here today of good intentions that never gets done? Think about that. Mm. We all have intentions of doing something good, but then fail to follow through. We may want to make a phone call or check up on a friend or visit a sick neighbor or write a note of encouragement to a loved one, but we just don't take time. Some people know that Jesus Christ is on the way to heaven and they, and they plan to trust him someday, yet they keep putting it out. They may have good intentions, but that won't bring salvation. As Christians, we may say that we want to grow closer to the Lord, but somehow we don't take the time to read the word of God or to pray. And James has some strong words about our problems of not taking action. To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. When you make a commitment to the Lord and you don't keep that commitment, it'd be better that if you never made that commitment. So regardless of how you making commitments. And you may make a commitment on giving money and then sometimes maybe something comes up and you can't give exactly what you wanted to do and you had to use some of that money. But next week you make it up. And I'm not up here to, to preach about money, okay? But here's what I am asking. Is there something that you've been putting off? Write a card or a letter today. Today, Visit that sick friend. A vase full of, of good intentions never brightens anyone's day. Okay. We've come to the time in our worship service that it's time for the Lord's Supper. And you remember where that we went back and we talked about the examination. And I want and I hope and pray that you examine. And I hope that that there's nothing that stands between you and God to where that that fellowship has been broken. Because remember, when you reach your hand 
into that tray to get that little cup out, it's not about you. It's about him. As you're reaching your hand into that tray, I want you to listen to the song. But first, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bless the Lord's Supper, and then Dan is going to sing the cross. Father, we come to a, a time in our worship service that we need to just get real with ourselves. We need to be honest. If it's, if it's someone that we need to go make our relationship right with, then we need to do it. If we hold a grudge against somebody, we need to give it up. If we come here this morning and we're not a child of God, if we haven't prayed that prayer and asked Christ to forgive us of our sins and to be our Savior, don't reach in that tray and get that cup out because we're going to read just in a minute how important it is that you don't take it if you're not a child of God. So, Father, thank you for being with us today. We ask that you bless this communion, and it's all about you, and we give you all of the praise and the glory, and I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.